Hello! Hi, everybody! Welcome! Welcome to the Lunarverse. I'm Dr. Charles Liu, your host, and please, if you haven't yet, call me Chuck. I am so happy to be here today, and as always, let me introduce our co-host, Alan Liu. Hey, Alan, how's it going? Hi, it's going pretty good. Cool, cool. Now, have you encountered any interesting music lately, Alan? Ooh, interesting music. Well, one thing that I've been listening to every so often is a uh, Galician folk music. Oh! Which is oh. fun because it's it's sort of, it's, it's a region of Spain that has a lot of Celtic influence. There I did in the Middle Ages a lot. Um, and so it's sort of got a mixture of like what you expect from like Irish music or Welsh or Scottish places, but also Spanish instrumentation. Wow. Galician. Yeah. Wow. Sounds cool. Now yeah. I have to look up Galicia as a place other than just a square on the diplomacy board. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Super well, there's cool. actually two Galicias on opposite sides of Europe. So this is the one in Spain. Oh, okay. That's really good to know. Now I ask, of course, Alan, because now that we're in season three of the podcast, mm -hmm. right? We kind yeah. of, maybe should think about a theme song for the show, you know, yeah, some, some sort of a, a little logo. So, you know, <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll definitely ask our, our guest today and for some suggestions and maybe let's see what we get out of that. And uh, it's a perfect time to introduce our guest today, Freya Holloway. Freya, hello. Hi, hello. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, you're involved with the Lucy mission and the La Space thing, which we see on your shirt, uh, for yes. those of you who are listening to the audio. Tell us what La Space is, would you please? Yeah, so La Space is a workforce development program that is open to students who are enrolled in a U.S. college or university who are interested in working in the space industry, particularly oh. at NASA, but, you know, of course, cool. anywhere in the industry. So we offer two 14-week uh, academies that are, like I said, they're free to college students where we train them in the skills that they need to be successful. Fantastic. I love that. Let's get into that more later, okay? For sure. sure. I'm going to talk more about it. But for now, as always, we are going to share today's Joyfully cool cosmic thing. Nice. And, uh, <laughs> having a streak of getting it better. <laughs> I know, I know. I mean, it, it's season three. By now, I should get all Hopefully, the words yeah. in the proper order. <laughs> the proper order yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, today's joyfully cool cosmic thing actually reaches back into the past a little bit. And it's about our solar system, which is appropriate because, like I said, Freya's main scientific thrust is in Lucy, which is the mission that's going to send this spacecraft to Trojan asteroids in our solar system, right? But the thing about it is that when we see pictures of things out in space, we sometimes can't tell what color they actually are. You know, the, the problem is that we are using these remote control robots, basically. And then when they send the data back to us, we have to adjust them as best we know how. And we don't always have a uh, calibration point, shall we say, to know what's going on. Well, so... Scientists have just recently gone back, and this is what I think is super cool, yeah, yeah. through decades of images of the planet Neptune. And they recently announced that they've figured out what Neptune actually would look like in terms of color in front of our eyes. And the answer is kind of like a bluish, greenish, you know, algae looking shape. Pond scum plus a little bit of water color. It's kind of yeah. No, I don't know if we call it pond scum. Pond scum's a little bit more brownish green. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Okay, it, but it, it's you know, like it, I, I imagine almost almost turquoise or azure. 
Ah, there you oh, go. Oh, I agree with uh, that. <laughs> can we find other luscious synonyms for blue? Uh, <laughs> well, you know that that Neptune, uh, for decades now, has been represented as a blue planet, like very yeah. blue in color, because that's sort of how that first came out decades ago, right? But now um, we realize that that blue was just something that was placed a long time ago by scientists to increase contrast. So we could tell about the features on that planet when we didn't have very good resolution or very good images. And now we don't need that as much because we can calibrate through other methods. And now we know it's like bluish green. Um, is yes, that cool? very, very close to Uranus. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. All right. So, you know, that, that kind of makes more sense because we were always wondering because Uranus and Neptune are pretty similar planets. Uh, so maybe they should look the same too. Uh, and now we have some scientific evidence that's really kind of cool. <laughs> now, Freya, yeah. um, the Lucy mission, of course, uh, on its way to the Trojan asteroids, uh, did right. is passing by several different locations. And we talked about this in a previous episode last season, where we know that Lucy flew by an asteroid called Dinkinesh. And it turned out that it wasn't one asteroid, but two. But then it turned out its second asteroid is also two. So there are actually three asteroids. <laughs> right. The two of them are next to one another. Uh, what color? Big surprise. Yeah, I know. What color is that actually? I mean, we saw them as black and white, right? So would they be similar to Uranus and Neptune or they'd be different? Or are they just they... gray and it's actually in color secretly? Yeah. Yeah. So of course, I mean, they're going to be colored differently than, than the planets, you know, the purpose so the the purpose of you know that flyby of course was to test lucy's terminal tracking system so the, the mm. t2 cam so that flyby was just meant to it was, uh, as a test run to uh you know test this and you know so i don't believe that you know the coloring was actually a, a main factor you know in in this but okay. um <laughs> Fair. right yeah. well solar system images in general right uh i think it's it we have them on our screensavers Right, we have them on our phone backgrounds. We have yeah, them everywhere. They're awesome. Uh, they're, they're so important. Are Are there any particular things that you have sort of learned uh, in your ambassadorial work for Lucy? Uh, the kinds of things that go into the image processing, the sort of things that uh, we scientists are being very careful about to show as much cool science and correct science, while also at the same time making cool pictures that we enjoy looking at. Ah, yes, certainly. So, you know, like Lucy, uh, for example, has uh, several instruments on board that work together to create, you know, very clear images, as we saw with, you know, the flyby of Dinkinish, um, and being able to also find, you know, Salam. So the the contact binary asteroid is named Salam. Oh, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and so... Oh, Salam. Yeah, yeah, so which means peace in the Amharic language um, mm. and Dinkinish uh, meaning marvelous very it was very you know quite exciting but yeah. you know all of these instruments work together to create these images that we can see so we can see the detailing you know as far as the uh, cratering you know texture you know of course the 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 colors um, indicating you know, what the composition of these asteroids might be, you know, whether there's any organic material, that sort of thing. 
Oh, yeah. That would be nice to find some organic material on there, but uh, that Absolutely. might be too much to ask for. Uh, well, we found some on comets before, right? That's right. That's so right. They're definitely organic still compounds. Be stuff on, especially the Trojans, which are farther out than the asteroid belt. Yep, that could be right. really true. Once we get right. there. <laughs> so, uh, Freya, yeah, what's the status of the Lucy mission right now, at this moment, after making this wonderful flyby of Dinkanesh and Salam? Yes, yeah, so Lucy is actually going to be uh, making her second Earth flyby, so the Earth Gravity Assist, in December of this year. Uh-huh. And that. Yeah, so that that Earth gravity assist will actually uh, slingshot Lucy back out uh, towards Jupiter. And in April of next year, so April 2025, Lucy will be encountering uh, its second uh, main belt asteroid named Donald Johansson. I love the name, by the way. So, Who is Donald Johansson? Do you know? Donald Johansson... Um, was actually involved in the discovery of the Lucy fossil in Ethiopia. Oh, back in the seventies. Yeah, I remember reading about this. It's really cool. Yeah, so he and the principal investigator of the Lucy mission, Dr. Hal Levison, have worked closely together. You know, on this, and Lucy is named for that fossil that was found in Ethiopia. Uh huh. So I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Why the previous aspirant had its name in Amharic then? Yes. Yeah. So wait, Amharic yeah. is the language that Lucy would have spoken. No, Amharic is a language that would have that was spoken in the area where Lucy was found. Okay, we don't know what language would have been yeah. spoken millions of years. Yeah, ago. because I I would be very surprised, you know, that Lucy <laughs> had language skills. Although that's very possible, right? I, I don't know what the the anthropological studies suggest. Uh, they probably could communicate verbally, but did they have language the way that we do today? I, I don't know. Yeah, if, if I recall, I mean, this is a little bit of a tangent, but if I recall, the idea is that like language is something that the genus Homo has, like so, so humans and maybe Neanderthals and things like that. But ah. I think the Australopithecus is not considered like to have language because of like the way the voice boxes and stuff. Yeah, yeah, we should clarify, you know, by Lucy, we have to separate Lucy the spacecraft from Lucy the fossil. And, <laughs> right. and Lucy the fossil, yeah, Freya, do, how much do you know about Lucy the fossil specifically? <laughs> well, so I do know, um, so Lucy was found, like I said, in Ethiopia in the 70s. The fossil is one of the earliest hominids um, ever discovered, one of the, you know, the better samples that we have of what existed at this time. And the idea with, so the Lucy mission, you know, going to the Trojan asteroids, the, the Trojan asteroids are actually essentially fossils of our solar system. Uh, so like, you know, and, it, and it's said that, you know, like, like the hominid fossil found in Ethiopia taught us about our origins, you know, um, and the evolution of the human species, these fossils will hopefully be able to teach us more about, you know, our origins here, the birth of the solar system, the evolution and, and how our, you know, our solar system and we came to be. Sounds cool. Yeah. So uh, Lucy is millions of years old, right? The, the fossil is millions. Lucy the yeah. fossil. Yeah. Lucy the spacecraft is like two years old. And, <laughs> right. and then, and then the Trojan asteroids are billions of years old. So yes. yeah, pretty lots awesome. of yes. cool conversation about the past. Yeah. Uh, so I have a... an idea of what the Trojan asteroids are and what makes them special. Um, but I, I'd like to hear what, how you'd explain it because you probably have a great way of telling people about them. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So the Trojan asteroids are 
a unique population um, of asteroids that are in a very strange location in our solar system. So most people are familiar with the main belt. Uh, and then we have the Kuiper belt out beyond Neptune. The mm -hmm. Trojan asteroids are actually located in the orbit of Jupiter. Oh. So they follow and precede Jupiter in its orbit around the sun. Oh. So, yeah, so there are two different populations. And uh, Lucy intends to fly by a few from from each of those, you know, locations. And these Trojan asteroids are thought to be some of the most pristine remnants of the, the birth of, of our solar system. Wow. That's and awesome. that's because of their location? They, yes. They have been preserved because they trail or they precede Jupiter, basically? Yes, exactly. So, so typically, even if even if we were able to send spacecraft into our giant planets, any rocks and things that we might be able to study uh, would not give us a very good indication of what things were like when the solar system was formed, because mm. the heat and pressure and and everything over the years would have, of course, drastically changed things. So the Trojan asteroids, having been captured in Jupiter's orbit, are untouched and remain wow. exactly the same as they were when the solar system went through, you know, its massive, you know, changes. And yeah, yeah so very, very exciting to think that they have remained unchanged, you know, wow. for billions of years. That's pretty <laughs> awesome. Sounds great. I wish I could stay unchanged for billions of years, but uh, oh well. We grow, <laughs> we age. It's all good. Uh, this is a good time, Alan. Uh, we have we have some uh, questions, right, for Freya, and and this is a, a special uh, set of questions because they all come from one place, right, or one group of people. We should talk about that. Yeah. So okay. these students who have asked these questions for you, Freya, all attend Notre Dame Academy on Staten Island. Okay. All right, Alan, go for it. All right, sure. Um, all right, so we're gonna start with Isabella's questions then here. Uh, so the, Isabella has two questions. Um, the first one is who is your favorite scientist? And the second one is, do you have a favorite song to listen to while studying? Oh, great questions. Yeah, so to answer your first one, of course, favorite scientist, that is a very difficult question to answer. I have <laughs> so many. That's but fair. <laughs> Exactly. And so many that have absolutely been inspirational to me. I think if I had to answer that question. Yes, you do have to answer that question. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I would say uh, Eugene Parker. So Dr. Eugene Parker. Oh, wow. Yeah. I So heliophysics and space weather are interests of mine. And mm -hmm. I have followed Parker Solar Probe since its launch in 2018. Wow. And, yeah. Uh, it's yeah. like touching the outer atmosphere of the sun. It's like awesome. I mean, it's incredible to me. I mean, it's just absolutely fascinating. And so I, you know, being so excited about the mission, you know, I decided to do some research and learn about, you know, the, the, the things that Dr. Parker was responsible for and just really found... Uh, his work inspirational and um, like I said heliophysics 
everything to do with with the sun is fascinating to me. So no, that's great. And Eugene Parker is a great choice because, of course, uh, not just uh, sun, which was he was most famous for, but he was really studying back in the middle of the 20th century, the plasma physics of the universe. Yes. He was doing all the things about magnetic fields. And of course, what I learned in graduate school about Parker, because I'm not a solar astronomer uh, by, by training, but was that he had figured out that magnetic fields can actually cause the dust and the gas that is in our solar system and in the galaxy as a whole to move in funny ways, even if they are not themselves magnetically charged. Hmm. Uh, it's called the Parker instability, and it's a very, very important part of pretty much every uh, interstellar or even intergalactic system that we can think of. So his reach nice. extends well beyond our solar system and all the way out uh, oh, into yes. literally everything. That's so, pretty awesome. Uh, great choice, Eugene Parker. Okay, everybody look look up Eugene Parker and go to the cool pictures of the sun thanks to the Parker Solar Probe. I love Yes. That. Okay. All right. And then the we got the song thing, right? Uh, you, oh. you may have heard, yes, you may have heard Alan and me earlier talking about the likelihood that we need to pick some sort of a theme song or maybe <laughs> write one or compose yeah. one. Uh, but uh, let's get some inspiration from you and others. You know, what 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 would be your favorite song to listen to when studying? You know, I have to say that what I tend to go to when I need a little pick me up when, you know, I'm, I'm getting ready to sit down for a long study session. I need something to kind of get me going and get in that mindset. I tend to listen to Let's Dance by David Bowie. <laughs> Let's dance. Put on your red shoes and dance. Exactly. I mean, how how can you not, you know, feel excited after that, right? You know? Under the moonlight, mysterious moonlight. <laughs> That's even astronomical, right? Yeah. And if you say run, da, 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 I'll run with you. Great song. Great choice. Great, great choice. And, awesome. the, and the fascinating irony is about that song. That came out in 1980-something, long after right David Bowie had made his chops at the very, very early on time with um, right. you know, Seeking Stardust and stuff like that, right? But that was his first number one. Yeah. Which, uh, yeah. Which is uh, on the amazing chart. to me. Yeah. Amazing <laughs> Right? A tremendous so musician, amazing. David Bowie. All kinds of stuff. Ground control, the major tom. Right. <laughs> yes. there, there's a, there's yeah. a, a bunch aspect. of really good ones. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of really good ones. Yeah. Great choice. Thank you. Oh, okay. So we got to think about that, Alan. Um, as far as our theme song goes, we'll, we'll have mm -hmm. to create something. Like we, we don't want to, yeah. you know, use other people's work, but we can be inspired by them. Definitely. And uh, yeah. maybe think of something. So, Frey, you could give us some more suggestions about that. You, you do you like David Bowie's sort of genre overall in terms of music, or uh, is that just sort of an anomaly in your playlist? So, I do. I do like David Bowie. Uh, honestly, I am a huge music fan, so there's not a whole lot awesome. that I won't listen to. Um, <laughs> you know, and and Alan earlier was talking about, you know, sort of the, the you know, the Celtic influence on, and, you know, that's something else that I, I love as well. And I will listen to that as I study as well, you know, that's uh, awesome. just some, um, I, I love, you know, like, so there's not a whole lot that I don't oh, <laughs> enjoy. Well, music, yeah. well, so. well, Enya, of course, has an album 
from the 1980s or 90s called Shepherd Moons. I think that was her second solo album, right? Ooh, and it starts that's with- a nice mouthful connection. Because you might think about it just in terms of shepherds like on Earth, but there, there are moons in uh, like moons of Saturn that keep its rings in place that are called- Yeah, really yeah, which is super yeah. cool, right? Uh, and so uh, it's, uh, hey, what can we say? This, the universe inspires art, music, all kinds of things, right? And, uh, yeah, not just uh, these discoveries are, are things that we uh, know scientifically, but we just know and, and they fill our, our souls and spirits. And you know, that's why like cosmically cool things are joyful too. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> Perfect. All right. All right. So speaking of which, you know what? I feel like today we should really go into a second cool cosmic thing. Okay, a second Ooh. joyfully cool cosmic thing because this hole? just happened very recently. Okay, it was an asteroid that fell over Germany recently, and it wasn't that big. You know, about once a year, an asteroid about you know the size of a boulder, you know, a desk, uh, a, a small car, will come through the atmosphere and break up and uh, have a really cool shooting star thing. It's usually create something called a bolide, but also it hits the ground. And when you have something big enough, you know, about three feet across or more, pieces of it can land on the ground and be recovered. And then we can study them like immediately before they're affected, before they're affected by Earth's environment. And what happened was that basically the week of the fall that was detected, uh, people went swarming into the area of Germany where they could see the asteroid falling and tried to find bits of it that were available. Okay. And what's joyful and cosmically cool about this is that many pieces have been found. That's awesome. In, yeah, yeah. In the past, just awesome. a week or two after the fall, dozens of pieces have been recovered and many of them by students uh, who oh, cool. were being yeah, driven... Uh, to do this because they're curious and then guided by professors and, and teachers and scientists and stuff. So that is cool. Yeah, uh, is this an asteroid that I remember hearing about where it's like they predicted that it was going to hit like a few hours before it actually did? That may well be it, yeah. Uh, this is a really cool uh, discovery. I think that's really fun to look at. And, and the fact that it, you know, say, uh, fell over a populated area of the world as opposed to like Antarctica, right? made yeah. it actually accessible to just all of us to be interested That's in finding cool. stuff. Yeah. Because yeah, well, uh, Antarctica in particular, we talked about in a previous episode, collects a lot of meteorites because the rest of the landscape doesn't have any rocks on it because it's all ice. Right. So you can right. see yes. meteorites. You can see easily. them from far away, yeah, which is very cool. Freya, have you ever found a, a meteorite? I have never found one, but have you? I have not found one. However, I do collect the... I, I, uh, oh, <laughs> I nice. love rocks. So I, I have a, I have a small collection, um, but some that I found on my own, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, fair. Uh, now tell us about one cool meteorite that you have. So the, I guess the coolest one that I, I got, I got as a gift um, a couple of Christmases ago, um, is actually a lunar, a very small chunk of a lunar meteorite. A piece oh, no, of that's the fun. moon. Yes. Wow. Those so are fun. Yeah, you don't have to be like Gru, where you're going to steal the moon. You can actually just have a piece of the moon already. You don't have to steal it. Tiny wow. little piece. That's all I need. Wow. 
that's all I need. Wow. But, <laughs> yeah. but the minions, you know, don't get to go along with you, so that's too bad. Yeah. Well, the minions uh, didn't go along with them in the movie. They were mission control. That's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, that's great. A piece of the moon. Wow. Do you know, like, is it a piece of the mountain or a piece of the mare or anything like that? Uh, you know what? I am actually not entirely sure at the moment. I, I have it on display uh, at home, so. Wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, find out. Let us know. We'll be yeah. happy to put it on the uh, social media uh, so For everyone sure. can sort of know what that is, okay? Because that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, uh, well, you know, asteroids, of course, have inspired us so much over the generations. Uh, they bring... Uh, super germs right uh that threaten society they bring superheroes <laughs> yeah yeah they, they bring you know uh people that that come and, and save the world and and things like that uh do we have one more question from notre dame academy alan uh something that uh we can give freya to answer yeah we do uh i'm gonna ask this question from caitlin sweeney okay uh, and caitlin's question is asking what's the coolest thing about labs in college I mean, I, I bet you she means like not Labrador dogs or anything. Like <laughs> yeah. Like laboratories. Which right? yeah, are yeah. very cool, by the way. Yeah, lots of universities <laughs> have very cool labs. <laughs> Probably of both things. I, th- I, I, I think as opposed to maybe labs in high school, your, you know, labs in college are so much more interactive mm. and you spend a lot more time in the lab, you know, really doing some, some amazing things. And, you know, especially depending on, you know, your major, you get to, to encounter some very cool, you know, maybe artifacts and they get to work so, with some very interesting people. I have absolutely, of course, it's my favorite part of being in college. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Now, at the, at the moment, I am a virtual student. However, I, I recently took a class that involved a, um, a virtual lab and it will mm. be the interactive that you know the the level of it was just yeah. amazing to me and oh, i couldn't get enough of it so <laughs> <laughs> yeah and and with astronomy right since we can rarely if ever touch a piece of the solar system or of a star and bring it to our laboratory it's all virtual in a sense right it's right. distant it's real but it's photon based as opposed yeah. to proton based right exactly <laughs> Uh, so yeah I, yeah, I think that's a really cool thing. That that's really neat to know. And and yeah. you know, so so everybody, if you get a chance to to take a lab in college, do it, right? <laughs> yeah. I I mean, I think that as someone who's who's now an outside observer, like there's a whole lot of really cool science that gets done by college students, even by like high school students doing research at universities and by like teams of professors and students and things like that. But just because like there's there's so many like cool things to do and there's just like so many students out there who can like have access to these tools thanks to these universities oh for sure i I can quote you all kinds of examples of students that have made significant discoveries uh and so i think it's something that we should keep that in mind okay another question alan we have another question from uh, another notre dame academy student uh, who is asking what was the biggest challenge you overcame and how did you learn from it great question so I have to say the the biggest challenge that I've overcome is finding my place in, um, you know, the academic and professional world. I, um, several years ago, so in 2015, um, my son, who was eight at the time, 
was mm-hmm. diagnosed with leukemia. Oh. And at the time, I was a single mother and raising him and my 10-year-old daughter. And I was uh, working in finance at the Columbus Zoo here in Columbus, Ohio. Wow. <laughs> and I, of course, I had to leave the job. I loved, absolutely loved it there, but I, I had to leave to take care of him. And as a single mother, you know, with, with this going on, um, it was very challenging to kind of get back on my feet, uh, you know, as you can imagine. And I made the decision that I was going to show my children that no matter what life throws at us, right, we can keep going and and keep striving to be who and what we want to be. And so I enrolled in college, not necessarily knowing exactly what I was going to do starting out and uh, found a part-time job and, you know, went to college full-time to get my associate's degree and yeah so now my son he's he'll be 17 in march he's doing well Um, oh my gosh yes and so we are you know and that was absolutely probably the most difficult time is just finding my place and 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 getting getting us through that you know as a family and here we are so (laughs) wow utterly amazing that's so cool for you and and you know, I am so glad that it was space science and astronomy that has kept you going forward on this stuff and, and you know, careers in space and doing this kind of stuff, your your work right now with LASA and, and LaSpace. So really, LaSpace, uh, this project is kind of, you know, near and dear to your heart on, on a very significant level, right? Oh, yes. Actually, I mean, LaSpace, I don't think I would have had any of the experiences I've had without my, you know, my introduction to LaSpace, I went through the academies during my first bachelor's degree. So Mm -hmm. I, I think it was fall of 2021. um, And then spring of 2022, I went through uh, the academies and I held a lead role in both of those in each of those academies. So, So these academies are like a NASA internship of some kind? Is that, is that how that is? So they're not an internship. So they, um, you know, it's a it's more of a workforce development where wow. students are divided up into teams and they work together to do various things. So in one academy, which we call the Mission Concept Academy, the students work as a team to complete a mission task. So they're given a mission to a, a planet or a moon and they're given the parameters and then they have to design a mission from beginning to end. They, they write a uh, preliminary design review and they, they choose roles. So there's, there's a project manager and a, and a deputy project manager and uh, chief scientist and lead wow. engineer and all that. Uh, just like <laughs> it sounds, it sounds <laughs> yeah. just like what we do when we're doing proposals for projects and doing Yes, exactly. That. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. So it's just writing wow. that that whole process out. And then the other academy is uh, where students will work in, as a team to uh, introduce new technology ideas to NASA. And NASA actually chooses a a winner each semester and that winner receives a $10,000 seed fund to 
to develop wow. the idea. Yes. The actual mission. I love that. Wow, that's fantastic. How did you get into all this? I mean, what what got you to where you, you know, in, into all of this cool stuff for NASA and, and such? Yeah. So I was just, I was a student and another student that had gone through the academy uh, told us about it in a virtual kind of chat room. And wow. I said, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to take a look at that. I'm going to check it out. You know, I think I, I, I have some time for this. And, you know, and I, I applied not ever believing that I would qualify for something like mm. that, you know, and, and wow. I got an email, you know, several weeks later saying that I'd been accepted and, wow. um, cool. you know, after, yeah. And after going through the academies, um, I was offered an internship on the Lucy mission. So Wow. That's how I began with with Lucy. So in the summer of 22, I in I was a science communications intern with the Southwest Research Institute mm. in Boulder, Colorado. Yeah. And, Great group um, of people. Absolutely. And then I began, you know, as a Lucy ambassador and came back to La Space as a mentor, an outreach mentor and a student success advisor. Fantastic. That's awesome. What a great path. What what awesome stuff you're doing, Freya. I think that's really wonderful. And thank you so much for sharing some of this stuff with us and talking with us about all this cool science. Oh, yeah. uh, and and all the cool other you know, stuff that's leading us to science, you know, getting folks into it and being involved. Yeah. I super, super appreciate that. Uh, Freya, please come back sometime, okay? We'll chat some more, and, and you can tell me all the cool things that are happening with Lucy as it's coming along in the next year or two. Yes, uh, I We're really, you. really happy with that. Freya, thank you. Thank you, Freya. I really, really, really appreciate it. Now, if there is uh, some sort of a, a social media handle or a email or, or a website that we can go to to learn more about uh, the space or the things that you're doing, can you tell us where we can find you? Certainly. So if you're interested, um, you know, if you're a student uh, at least 18 years of age um, and enrolled in a U.S. college or university interested in uh, participating in LaSpace, you can go to uh, laspace.asu.edu. Okay, so um, LaSpace is spelled L-S-P-A-C-E, right? Correct. Correct. Uh -huh. With a little apostrophe, but that doesn't show up on the URL. No, not in, not in the web address. <laughs> okay, <laughs> um, fair. <laughs> So it's actually an acronym, a very long acronym. <laughs> but, it's okay. Yeah. And then, uh, so you can also follow our, uh, us on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn. So on Instagram, I actually help manage that. I create uh, graphics and, and posts for Instagram and Facebook. Yeah, so we can be found at, uh, uh, so it's L underscore space program, all one word. Um, on Instagram or the NASA La Space program on Facebook. And same thing on LinkedIn, so NASA La, uh, La Space program. And to get more information on the academies and fill out an application um, or to even become a Lucy ambassador, you know, check out laspace.asu.edu. Wonderful. Freya Holloway, thank you so much for being with us today. Really appreciate it. We'll talk again soon, okay? Thank you. Yes, thank you for having me. Alan Liu, our co-host as always, thanks so much. You're welcome as always. <laughs> and to all of you in our audience, thank you so much for being with us for this episode. If you like what you see and hear, please follow us on Patreon and support us so we can do more of this great stuff. And as always, thank you for being a part of the Looperverse.